Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Welcome back into the Black and Blue Report. So glad you could join us as we start a new week here on this Tuesday. All of us uh, had the holiday yesterday. Hope you had a great Labor Day weekend, everybody. Family, friends, barbecues, perhaps. Now it's time for NFL football. We got our, uh, our uh, appetite uh, wet a little bit with college football over the weekend, and certainly plenty of training camp has uh, led us to really want the real thing this weekend. And here it is. We finally arrived at the NFL regular season, and so begins today our coverage of Saints-Falcons week. And that'll be a lot of fun over the next couple of days as we get set for the noon kickoff at the Georgia Dome on Sunday. Hi again, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly. Daniel Sowerson's also alongside here from Studio B in New in Metairie. I guess you could say New Orleans. In Metairie at the headquarters of the Saints and the Pelicans. We'll talk about both teams in some sort, uh, shape, or form today as we'll talk basketball a little bit later with Jim Eichenhofer. He'll update us on what's going on with Team USA, who currently uh, finds itself 2-0 in pool play at the FIBA World Cup. And our conversation will certainly uh, center around Pelicans forward Anthony Davis. And then on the football side today, we'll welcome in John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. He'll help us put a wrap on the formation of the 53-man roster for the Saints and the impact of the moves that were made by Mickey Loomis, uh, Sean Payton, Ryan Pace, that entire staff as we get set for the regular season. And we'll begin our conversation about Saints-Falcons with Jay Adams today from AtlantaFalcons.com. He'll uh, put a wrap on training camp for the Falcons for us and give us the Atlanta angle are the first of our, our angles that we'll talk about this week with regard to the opener this weekend, as we mentioned, at the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. So a lot going on here today. Later on in the week, we're going to hear from the voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson, the voice of the Falcons, Wes Durham, and we'll also tomorrow uh, get your fantasy fix taken care of with our Fantasy Wednesday here on the Black and Blue Report. Should be a lot of fun. But, man, it's just so great to talk about regular season football and now we have a roster. Of course, there's a question mark or two that we'll address with John DeShazer in just a moment, but things are ready to go. And, and if you're not feeling good about where the Saints are heading into the opener, man, I don't, know, I don't know what you're looking for because I'm very encouraged by the way this thing is all shaped out. The health 
of the position groups for most everybody on the Saints side, and uh, it's a, it's going to be, I think, a good run here. That first game is going to set the tone, of course, and then uh, certainly it could be a very good September. Can you believe we've got the September? Yes, it is September. It's going to be a good September for the Saints, uh, whether or not they uh, play well against the Falcons this weekend. I think that a win certainly sets the table for a bit of a roll, but I also am trying to temper my enthusiasm a little bit in case uh, things don't go quite right on Sunday. I don't want to get uh, overboard on, on one game. But but after the long offseason and training camp, you can't help but shove everything into the basket here with regard to Sunday's game with the Falcons. The Saints are uh, somewhat idle today. We'll uh, hear from the players and Coach Sean Payton tomorrow, and uh, that'll help us continue our ramp-up toward the game on Sunday. There's a nice event today over at Champion Square involving Mr. Benson, and uh, coverage of that will be found at NewOrleansSaints.com, depending on what time you pick up our podcast today. Um, Regardless, you'll see the replay of that on the website as that's probably the biggest uh, part of Saints news on this uh, Tuesday. So again, as we mentioned, we'll talk a little FIBA World Cup with uh, Jim Eichenhofer shortly. But up next, we'll go with John DeShazer and talk Saints roster and then Jay Adams and begin our conversation about the Falcons. Stay with us. It's the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report, and it rolls on right after this. Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, Anthony Davis, and your Pelicans have been working throughout the offseason to take this team to the next level. Ticket plans for the 2014-15 season are on sale now. There's a variety of packages for all fans featuring half-season and 12-game options, including the ever-popular weekend plan that averages a couple of games a month. Packages start as low as $185. Visit pelicans.com or call 525-HOOP and take flight with your Pelicans today. Smoothie King asks, what's your purpose? My name is Trish, and I want more balance in my life. I feel like all I do is rush from one place to the next and end up grabbing a burger along the way. And then I feel guilty, and I start thinking, I need to spend an hour on the elliptical, but I don't have time. I want to eat better. I want to feel better. That's my purpose. We can blend that. Find your balance with the new Greek yogurt smoothies naturally powered by Chobani. Find pleasure in your purpose at Smoothie King. Time now to bring in John DeShazer, senior writer for NewOrleansSaints.com here on the Black and Blue Report. And I guess before we really truly dive into game week in Atlanta and everything else, J.D., we, we best look back on the weekend, which is a busy one for the Saints, in getting the 53-man roster and the practice squad all set. That is all done now except for one or two question marks, which we'll get to in a moment. But after the uh, Saturday festivities, what struck you about how Sean Payton, Mickey Loomis, and that entire staff uh, molded their 53-man roster. Well, I'll say this. It's a little bit more of a veteran look than it was last year. Um, last year, you know, you had the, all the draft picks plus the six undrafted rookies to make the team. As opposed to this year, you had the uh, four draft picks and two undrafted rookies. So you know, it's a little bit a little bit slimmer in those number, which tells me that this, it's a more veteran team and, and it was harder to make this roster. And plus this roster has extremely high expectations that you would expect to attain with a with a veteran roster so you know a lot of these guys have been around been in this system and understand what the stakes are this season you mentioned the lower number of undrafted rookies that make this roster uh did that seem right to you or were there any surprises in that selection well i mean i think it seemed about about right um last year was extremely high it's 
it's rare that you get six undrafted rookies plus uh, Ryan Griffin if you want to add him and being added to the roster later in the season. You know, seven undrafted rookies to make a an NFL roster. That's that's a pretty high number, and it signaled uh, really it was Sean Payton's first year back from suspension. So. You know, it signaled that they they were looking for something different. You know, and they wanted to inject a, a new a new blood into the system, and I think they got that. You know, in spades last year. So this year, having done it last year, I think uh, there was less of a need to do it because a lot of those guys who made it last year are back. Uh, the Saints have an extremely young roster. If you look at it, outside of the Drew Breeses and the Marcus Colsons and the Jari Evans, for the most part, you've got a core of players who are 26 years old and younger. And so they really have some 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 good stepping stones to to build with. So, you know, I think that's about right what they ended up with rookie wise this year. You know, it's interesting when we talk about that process and the talent uh, that Mickey Loomis and Ryan Pace and those guys assemble during training camps of undrafted rookie free agents. Well, whereas last year we saw that reflected in the actual fifty three man roster, this year when you look down the list of the ten now ten not eight. 10 practice squad players. Most folks should be familiar with all those names because we talked about them throughout training camp, and that's where it seems that most of those guys have been stocked this year. And I'm talking about the Brandon Coleman's and and uh, Shontavious Jones and Pierre Warren's of the world. Absolutely, and I think that's where you you generally have those guys develop. Um, you really save your, your, your 53-man roster for your draft picks and your, your developmental squad is basically for your undrafted rookies because those are the guys you're trying to develop into players and you see some potential in them. So, you know, like I said, last year was really, really unusual from from a standpoint of undrafted rookies making the team's roster as opposed to this year. This is probably what it looks more like. And uh, and hopefully some of those guys will be able to parlay that, that, that visit to the practice squad into a regular season roster spot maybe next year or maybe even later on this year because you never know what happens injury-wise. But, Certainly those guys already know the system and they know the expectations. John DeShazer with us here in the Black and Blue Report. John, what should we read into the quarterback situation as they have McCown, Griffin, and, of course, Breeze on the roster? Is there anything that is to be further read into that scenario? Well, I mean, here's what I read into it. I, I believe that, you know, obviously Drew Breeze is your guy. I believe if Drew Brees, you know, were to be injured for a couple of weeks or so, that you know the the belief is that maybe Luke McCown might be able to get you through, you know, those couple of three weeks. But I believe that Ryan Griffin is, is considered the quarterback of the of the of the future with the Saints. Now that future might be some ways off since Drew Brees is 35 and he's talking about playing until he's 45. But you know, I think Ryan Griffin is a guy that they like very much. Um, St. Louis came after him last year to try to sign him to their regular season uh, roster, and the Saints, you know, signed him off their roster. And from what I understand, you know, uh, made it worth his while to remain with the organization. So I believe that the expectation is that he's a guy who can stay with the Saints. And who knows, maybe in in a year or so, or maybe even this year, I, you, you never know what's going to happen. But you know, maybe he's a guy you can parlay into, you know, a trade piece into some draft picks or something like that. But I believe the Saints like him a whole lot, and that's why they keep him around. John, if you look through OTAs, draft, minicamp, training camp, all of that, and now with the 53 man in front of you, is there a position group or two that you would say is stronger than a year ago? Well, I guess I'd have to go with, uh, with, with defensive back. I think they are really, really good at defensive back, and that's corners and safeties. 
don't get me wrong. I mean, last year, Roman Harper and Malcolm Jenkins at safety were good good players, and Jabari Greer starting out at corner were good players. But when you're able to bring in Jarris Bird, and Kenny Vaccaro has an extra year, and Kenny Lewis played at a Pro Bowl level last year, and then you add in the fact that Patrick Robinson is, is healthy and Corey White has a year experience, and they obviously like the rookie that they signed to the 53-man. And then you've got you know Raphael Bush, who started some games at safety yeah. last year. And Marcus Ball, I think I think safety and quarterback is really deep and talented with this team, and the addition to a couple of a couple of guys on the practice squad who can step in and play for them in the in the event that they need them to. And don't forget the rookie Venice and Sari, who also made the the roster as a safety. So I think uh, if if you're looking for quality depth, you know I think I think the secondary is really really upgraded. I'd like to say the same thing about the receivers, especially with the addition of Brandon Cooks. You know, him alone is, is a great addition. But I think across the board, you know, defensive back might be the most improved might might be the most improved position on the team. I think that fans may have gasped a little bit when they heard that Robert Meacham was cut. Um, did that surprise you? And and what did, what did that do to the wide receiving core? Well, it surprised me because I think you lose um, your best you know veteran downfield blocker. But you know you have to you, know, you have to give these guys credit in the scouting department. You have to give these coaches credit. They generally have a pretty good idea of when it is to you know to release a guy, when it is to cut bait, how long to hold on. So you know you have to have a belief in that system because you know they throw for you know this team throws for five thousand yards a, a year. You know come heck or high water. So you know whether it's Robert Meacham or, or Brandon Cooks or Nick Toome, somebody's going to step in and fill that void. Now with with Meach, you do again you do miss that downfield blocking, but obviously they feel like they can get that out of someone else, or maybe they don't need it as much with these new rules because now with DBs unable to put their hands on receivers, pretty much you you should have some free passes in the secondary. But yeah, that one surprised me a little bit just because he's been a, a good veteran who's been great for the system. But again, he's a guy who, in in case of emergency, you can always break glass and bring Meach back. I don't necessarily know if he's going anywhere else. Surely he has put down his roots and wants to be with the Saints. I don't think if he got an opportunity with somewhere else, he might not even take it. Now, granted, a job is a job, but he loves the Saints, and this is the system that fits him best. But, yeah, that one surprised me just a little bit because just because I thought they'd keep six receivers and I thought he'd be one of the six. John, if we're, if we're looking at things through that same lens that you just did with Meacham, was there a guy that's now on the 53-man roster that truly used – camp and the preseason games that maybe was on the outside looking in and forced himself into the situation to make the Saints here in 2014? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think uh, your rookie quarterback, whose name escapes me right now, and um, Brian Dixon, to say yeah. that. Yeah, Brian Dixon, I think, made the most of his opportunities in preseason because he was a guy who, you know, you, you, you're a guy in his position, you come in really behind it all. You know, you come in, you're a cornerback. And the Saints not only have Keenan Lewis and Patrick Robinson, but they also have Corey White, who started last year. Champ Bailey's in camp. And so you've got some really talented guys in front of them. And for him to be a rookie and to make it at that position, you know, shows, you know, one, what he did in special teams and also what he did on regular defense. And, and it just shows that, uh, again, the Saints are willing to look at guys and take a good, hard look at them and see what they bring to the table as opposed to a guy who's a veteran, as opposed to a guy who's under contract as opposed to a guy who's got you know multi-years and multi-pro bowls, they're going to look at what a guy can bring to them right now. John DeShazer with us, of course. J.D., before I let you go, and I hate to do this, but I have to put you in, in, in the circle of speculation here. As we're looking at the 53-man roster today, 
there are changes still probably to come. The Saints need a kicker still. Um, any speculation on what that conversation is like, what they might have to do, and what they end up ultimately doing before we even get to the weekend? Well, I mean, my guess is is simple. You know, I don't think they cut both kickers when I have a guy in mind already. So I'm surprised that whoever that guy is isn't already under contract, to be honest with you. But certainly, you know, they have an idea and a vision of what they want if they release both kickers. And I think the guy that they want, you know, they probably already had their eye on. And they also have the knowledge of, you know, they release both kickers. They kind of, they like both kickers, I'm assuming, because they had them both through in the entire training camp. So that can always be your fallback plan. But I think that they have a guy in mind. Who that guy is, I don't know. But I think they have a guy in mind already. Well, we know it won't be Ryan Suckup, who was cut by the Chiefs. He's now gone to the Titans. Um, but, uh, John, to make room for a kicker, something will have to be done. And, and you're better at this than I am. Is there some way to take a – and I'll just use, like, let's say Eric Lorick, for example. Um, do you have the ability to – to take one off the 53, hold on to him in an injured status to make room for that kicker, or do you have to outright wave somebody at this point? Well, I mean, I think you can IR a guy. And uh, if that's the case, then you can, you know, put an injury reserve on a guy. You can, you know, do it that way. Or, you know, you would have to wave a guy to make room for him. And so, you know, we'll have to wait and see what the what the moves are going to be. But, yes, it's an Eric Lorick who has not been able to participate in preseason, you know, thus far. You know, that might be an injured reserve candidate who, who will make room for the kicker. But, yeah, you're gonna have to, there's going to have to be a roster move made in order to add that position. Very good. We could know as early as today. Could be tomorrow. Uh, John, we do know this. The Saints are, as they say, dark today. There is no access. So we'll learn a little bit maybe tomorrow afternoon. Is that how the schedule will start to shape up for the week? Yeah, tomorrow's uh, access uh, practice begins at 11, so we'll have player access after that in the locker room. So, you know, we'll have a pretty good feel for what's going on, and I would be shocked if they didn't have a kicker in tomorrow for practice. All right, John DeShazer with us from NewOrleansSaints.com. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, J.D. I'll see you in the locker room tomorrow after practice. Yes, you will, my friend. You have a good All one. Right. All right, you too. John DeShazer with us here on the Black and Blue Report. All right, it is... Falcons week. We'll talk and we'll check in with Atlanta when we come back here on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. Still to come on today's edition of the Black and Blue Report, we'll hit the blue side, and that's Pelicans, and in this case, Team USA FIBA World Cup basketball conversation in just a moment. With Jim Eichenhofer, we'll get the update on Anthony Davis through two games so far in Spain. But in the meantime, 
Let us begin the conversation about Saints and Falcons opening up this weekend. And to help us do that, right out of the gate is Jay Adams from AtlantaFalcons.com. Happy New Year, Jay. Yeah, same to you. It's uh, It's been a long time getting here, but uh, the week has finally come. Let's start with the camp. I guess if you look at the preseason record, 2-2 two and two for the Falcons. I don't know what's to read into that, but perhaps you could share with us some of your bigger takeaways from training camp 2014 for the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, well, as with any team, I mean, you go into camp knowing that there are a lot of battles to be won, and um, certainly no different for the Falcons. And, and uh, you know, the 2-2 two and two record was nice in the preseason, but it was way more about uh, getting some of these younger guys, the, the looks that they needed, uh, getting some of the position battles sorted out. Um, you know, big things for me just uh, is an improved offensive line. Um, you know, the, the Falcons' offensive line was, was an issue last year, and uh, the Falcons made some strides in, in fixing those issues, and um, it really showed this preseason. And, uh, you know, just, just coming together as a team, getting Julio Jones back, getting Croy Bierman back, the, the uh, slew of injured players that the Falcons had last year, you know, getting those guys healthy and, and coming back. And, and uh, they're starting the season off on the right foot. It seems like everybody's, uh, everybody's healthy and ready to go this week. So, um, you know, you get through the preseason without injury, and that's, that's your hope. And, and so we're, we're kind of at that point now. Jay, when you, when you come off of a 4-12 and season that was injury-riddled, by simply just getting players back, does that fuel optimism more than anything else? And, and are you all having to fight off maybe over-euphoric feelings about where this season can go? Yeah, you know, I, I think any time you, you lose a guy like Julio Jones, it, it, it changes your season. And, uh, you know, you, you saw that where, um, you know, Julio goes down and all of a sudden – um, you know, things start to, to skid out of control a little bit. Um, you know, you, you go into training camp this year and, and, and you, you lose a guy like Sam Baker and, and you kind of make adjustments there. But um, the, the uh, mood has been positive. It, it hasn't been um, overly uh, euphoric or, or uh, you know, focus too much on the expectations. I think this is the most grounded I've seen uh, this Falcons team and the most focused that I've seen them. I think everybody understands what uh, the 2014 season means and, and how important it is. Uh, and, and I think that's really coming out in the day-to-day activities of the team. Um, nobody's getting too high or too low. And, and you know, on a, on a week where um, you know, you expect things to be be uh, a little bit more juiced because of the rivalry and, and opening up against the Saints. I think you saw things a little bit more even keel as we started the week, and uh, we'll see how that ramps up. But um, the 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 term I would use right now is is focused for this team. Jay, we we heard so much during camp about that the the Falcons. You know, these are the words that were thrown out there. Got punked last year weren't tough enough, all those things were being thrown around, and it, it seemed like one of the, the the mantras of this camp was to be to be tougher, to be uh, not more mean, but you could know where I'm going. And I'm, and I'm curious, from your perspective, was that storyline overblown a little bit, or is, or is that truly a feeling around the Falcons right now? No, I, I think it was a, a bit overblown, and, and you know, to, to quote Mike Smith, you, you You've got to be tough to play in the NFL. Toughness isn't the issue. The issue was just physicality and, uh, you know, having uh, that desire to be grittier and, and, uh, 
you know, more physical in the trenches. And I think that, uh, you know, Mike Tice on the offensive line and, and Brian Cox on the defensive line have really shored that up. Um, I think the, there there's uh, a lot of guys on both sides of the ball that, that want to be more physical. And I think, you know, coaching has, has come a long way uh, to kind of bringing that out on some of these guys. I don't think um, you're going to see too many situations where, you know, Matt Ryan gets hit and, uh, you know, he doesn't have somebody coming to his rescue uh, this year. I think this is a group that's really rallied together under uh, under Mike Tice, and, and they're really embracing his philosophy, which is, you know, being a little bit more physical and not not uh, shying away from that activity, so um, I, it's it's going to be tough to mess with this group this year. You mentioned Matt Ryan getting hit; he was on his back so much last year. Can this offensive line uh, protect Matt Ryan in a better way this year? And, and what would lead you to believe that? You know, I, I like what I see out of this group in the preseason, and, and you face some some pretty tough competition uh, in the, the Houston Texans, and, and you face some tough competition in, in the Titans' uh, uh, defensive line as well. Um, you know, they took their lumps in, in the preseason for sure, but uh, Jake Matthews, his uh, upside is just, it's off the charts. Uh, he's just working through the, the mental stuff and, and getting things kind of ironed out. But uh, he's going to be one of the top linemen in the league one year. And, and I think that, uh, that that really starts this year, especially now he's being, being thrown into the, the left tackle position, the trial by fire, uh, so to speak. And, and he's going to see the best of the best week in and week out uh, starting week one. And so I, I really think you shore up that blind side. Uh, you know, it, it's going to look good for Matt Ryan over there. But I think in the last two weeks of the preseason, we've seen marked improvement for out of Lamar Holmes at, at right tackle, and um, I, I think you you also the the I think the most underplayed storyline of uh, going from 2013 to 2014 is the addition of John Azamoa at right guard, and just um, how big that is for just the the overall stability of the offensive line. Um, he's really shown up this preseason, and and uh, I like Matt's chances of staying clean this year. Jay Adams from AtlantaFalcons.com with us here on the Black and Blue Report. All right, Jay, let's. Let's zero in on the big game this weekend. Storylines from the Atlanta angle here with regard to Falcons and Saints. Well, for me, I think it's got to start in the trenches. I think you've got to start with with the Saints' uh, defensive front, the, their ability to pass rush, and uh, how the offensive line, the Falcons' offensive line, can hold up to that. I think that's really where it's going to start. And then uh, for a lot of games uh, this season, but particularly this first one, you know, keeping Matt clean. Getting uh, getting the ball to his receivers. He's got uh, four very good receivers that he can go to. He's got some running backs that get involved in the passing game as well. If he gets time, I think that's gonna that's gonna really help uh, the Falcons' case this year. You know that that's that's another thing to think about too is is the defensive secondary and how that plays into the into the Falcons' passing game with uh, Jarris Bird and uh, Kenny Vaccaro back there. I mean, th- those are two big guys that certainly the Falcons will be paying attention to um, heading into week one, but uh, the passing game is really going to be key for the Falcons, and it kind of starts up front, and, and then from there it goes to, to how well can Matt uh, look off the safeties. The rivalry itself is more heavily considered by the fans, Jay, than anybody else. With that being said, though, or with that aside, do you like playing a big rivalry game in week one? Should should Saints-Falcons be later on, or is it perfect right here on, on the first Sunday? You know, I like it. It, it's, uh, it. it sets the tone for for both teams. You know, it's it's one of those games where 
you know, you've got to come in and you've got to be sharp. You've got to be crisp. You've got to do everything right because it's really going to come down to mistakes. Who makes the fewest amount of mistakes? Um, these games are, are uh, traditionally close. I think 7 to 12 have come down to uh, 7 points or fewer. So, um, you know, these are two teams that play themselves really close. Um, I think it's a great way to kick off the season, get fans excited, and, and it's just really going to set the tone for both clubs. Is this a, a winner by kick, or is this a winner in the last minute then is what you're saying? I mean, it, it could very well be. I mean, uh, they, these two teams, uh, I think they bring everything they've got when, when uh, they face each other. And, um, you know, the, the Falcons opening up at home for the first time since 2009. You know, the, the Georgia known crowd is going to be into it. Um, I think that could help level the playing field a little bit. Uh, who knows? I, I'm expecting a close game, though. All right. We'll see you at the Georgia Dome this weekend, Jay. All right, sounds good. Jay Adams with us from AtlantaFalcons.com. It is on now, and uh, we'll, we'll have plenty of coverage throughout the week, including the voice of the Falcons, West Durham, on Thursday here on the Black and Blue Report. Stay tuned. We'll talk hoops and then wrap up this Tuesday edition in just a moment. Stay up to date on the latest breaking New Orleans Saints news by downloading the team's official app presented by Verizon. Check out the 2014 schedule, league standings, and statistics. Plus, have access to watch live press conferences with Coach John Payton and players while reliving your favorite Saints moments. The Saints app makes the perfect game day companion with a detailed map of the Mercedes-Benz Superdome highlighting the facility's amenities. The free New Orleans Saints app presented by Verizon is available to download on iTunes and Google Play. Lotto is all across Louisiana with cash jackpots starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. From the neon lights of Shreveport, Bossier City to the banks of Grand Isle, Lotto is your game. It doesn't leave the state, and there's nothing like it anywhere else. It's Louisiana fun just for Louisiana. Lotto, it's a whole lot of cash. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We continue from Studio B on this Tuesday morning. Back to work here, of course, and getting ready for football. But we've already talked about that quite a bit today. Certainly basketball is on our minds because the FIBA World Cup is really in the grips now of pool play. And uh, they've had a busy Labor Day weekend, and they have a very busy week coming up. With that, we bring in senior writer from Pelicans.com, Jim Eichenhofer, who's been following all of it. And the headline I'm reading this morning on ESPN.com, Jim, is U.S. rallies to survive Turkish test. So we better start there, and I'm, I'm curious as to how you survive in that second game against Turkey. Yeah, I think survive was pretty accurate because at halftime they were down by five points, and I think, I don't know, if it, I think it was a little too early to panic, but I think people were definitely looking around and saying, man, that this is not good the way things are going right now. But... um. The way it was, in, it was really interesting because to me that game confirmed again the importance of Anthony Davis. He wasn't very involved in the attack at all in the first half, and he had two fouls, which caused them to sit him down. But then in the second half, he had 19 points, and it really he was the biggest reason that the momentum switched in Team USA's favor. So it was uh, it, there were definitely some anxious moments in the middle portion of that game, but. Um, USA, again, went on a huge run in the second half and ended up winning by 21. The bottom line is this, though, Jim. They're 2-0 and so far in pool play. They won by 59 in their first game. 
And then you mentioned Davis and the and the team rallying in the second half against Turkey. Was Turkey to be the the toughest game in pool play so far? Yeah, I mean they they have a few guys that have been drafted in, in the NBA. I think some of them are were players that um, NBA teams basically looked at as draft and stash players, as we've seen as one of the trends that's happened with the draft the last few years. So they have a few guys that that um, maybe aren't that familiar to people here but um are certainly good players and certainly have um potential to be good and um so uh, i think they are they're definitely a, a a tough team we'll see if if uh usa has any more tests that are similar to that actually you know the, another turkey barely beat new zealand so that's usa's next opponent so um you know it'll be interesting to see how new zealand does against or how the u.s does against new zealand yeah, that game is uh, in the morning here on this Tuesday. Jim and I are visiting prior to tip-off between New Zealand and Team USA. We'll get to more of that in just a moment. Jim, let's circle back around to Anthony Davis for a moment. With regard to how the roster shook out and uh, certain guys unable to participate, it was clear back during camp, I guess, that Anthony Davis would be the lead guy in the paint for Team USA. Other than that first half against Turkey, I guess, has that come to fruition? Have they... Have they leaned on him as the lead guy inside the color? They have. Um, interestingly, I think somewhat like I alluded to in the Turkey game, they didn't go to him very much in the first half, and you you kind of saw what the results were. Granted, they USA didn't shoot the ball well from the outside at all. And I, anyone that watched the game, you heard the you heard ESPN's commentators say numerous times hey, they need to stop settling for jumpers because that's kind of exactly what Turkey wants them to do. So, But um, Anthony Davis, it seems almost too obvious, but there's really no no one can match up with the guy. So, you know, it's great that USA has a lot of talented perimeter guys that can have huge games. None of them have really shot that well so far. Like, for example, Steph Curry's only shooting 24% in the first two uh pool play games and Derrick Rose is shooting 25 percent so you know it's great that they have the perimeter guys but I think they they're already starting to realize if they hadn't already that um no one can guard Anthony Davis no one has that combination of size and athleticism that he has so it, it just it just makes all the sense in the world to make sure that he's involved in the attack because other teams are Turkey played a lot of zone on Sunday which was kind of their way of conceding outside shots. And um, although there's a couple great shooters on Team USA, there's a few guys that, that ne- isn't necessarily their greatest strength. You know, guys like Harden, you want him taking the ball to the basket. So, you know, it, it just the more you watch them, the more you say, if Anthony Davis is heavily involved in everything, they're going to they're gonna get as much as they can out of the, the talent that's on this roster. With Fareed next to him, has it changed the way that Davis has been playing? I guess what I'm, I, I guess where I'm going with this is, and I know it's a little harder against the zone that Turkey threw up at him, but is is Davis playing more with his back to the goal, or is this the Davis that we've seen trying to play mid range a little bit? I think it's a lot of the Davis that we've seen. But the great thing about Fareed, and and hopefully we'll we'll see this with when Anthony's paired with Omer too, is Fareed is one of those guys that has he does a lot of the dirty work. So he's always there on the weak side picking up um, loose balls and getting rebounds and doing a lot of those those gritty things. And I think it's allowed Anthony to focus maybe a little bit more on, you know, his offensive game. And 
he's also because you have to box out Fareed constantly. I think AD's had a lot of um, some tip-ins, some putbacks, and you just can't you can't focus all of your interior attention on on Anthony because Fareed is on the other side wreaking havoc and you know making a lot of those hustle plays that he's known for during the NBA season with Denver. So I think you know it's it's you you can see what what happens when you pair a, a guy with Anthony that does all of the the little things that Fareed does and I think even though Ashik is a, is obviously not is, he's a lot different player style-wise than Fareed I think he has a lot of the same characteristics in that in what he can do around the basket and as far as rebounding and hustle plays you mentioned the guys in the perimeter you know 27 combined between Irving and Harden and then after seeing Rose look fantastic in game one uh, he almost seemed like a non-factor there Jim against Turkey yeah I think people have talked about that a lot in the last you know 24 hours or so is just that he um he, he didn't look he didn't look like himself maybe necessarily in the second game and I know there's some concerns about how he's how they're going to handle him as far as back to backs. And actually, the way that the pool play schedule is is kind of unique. That they had a day off yesterday, but they're back at it. They play Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So it'll be interesting to see how the team handles Derrick Rose. I mean, one one logical decision could be to just play him Tuesday and Thursday and give him the the Wednesday game off. But but we'll see. I mean. Obviously, everybody's rooting for him to to get back to the the player that he was a couple of years ago. But um, it's something that they they're definitely going to have to manage and and be careful about the way that they use him. Jim offer from Pelicans.com with us here on the Black and Blue Report, talking FIBA World Cup basketball. Let's talk about that schedule a little bit, Jim. As we mentioned, you and I are visiting here prior to tip on this Tuesday against New Zealand, and uh, m- much like it was, gosh, I guess back in the strikes shortened season. We're going to see that rare back-to-back-to-back for these guys. And uh, 2-0 in pool play with three to go. Kind of a handicap, a preview, if you will, the New Zealand game and then what, what's left here on Wednesday and Thursday. Well, Sean, as, as we talked about uh, with New Zealand, they, they were ahead almost the whole game against Turkey. Um, I want to say they were up by about 10, 12 points at, at a, midway through that game before Turkey rallied and they actually didn't Turkey didn't get the lead until there was about 2 or 3 minutes left in that game. So New Zealand is a is an interesting opponent for USA. Um I guess we'll kind of get to see whether that was a fluke that Turkey um played the USA so tough or or whether you know you know that could be uh it could be a one-sided game, but I guess we'll find that out. Um Wednesday the USA plays Dominican Republic and USA beat them by about 50 I want to say in the exhibition tour. Um, schedule when they played them in New York City, so um, I, I would think people aren't probably expecting that to be too too uh, good of a game. Um, and then Thursday, USA closes out pool play against Ukraine. Ukraine is actually, as we speak, up um, by a semi decent margin on Turkey. So um, that's that's another team that I'm not sure people know a whole lot about, but uh, based on the results of their game games, they they could be uh, they could also be someone that could give the USA a, a decent test. They have a few guys that have NBA experience and other other players that have been drafted. So, you know, it'll be uh it'll be probably Tuesday and Thursday would be, I would say would be the the most interesting games. The Wednesday game based on what we saw uh a week or so ago may not be the most competitive, but then um then Saturday and Sunday will be the will begin the the knockout round and then then uh, it'll be 
single elimination, you lose and you're out. So that's uh, that's what we got in store the next few days for you. Wow, USA. that's good stuff as always. And uh, you know we're gonna have lots and lots of hoop talk coming up. Can you believe it? NBA training camp is less than a month away. Jim Heikenhofer with Pelicans.com with us. Enjoy the rest of these games, Jim, and we'll uh, kind of recap what Team USA does as we get out of pool play and into that elimination round, as you talked about. Enjoy the hoops and uh, and stick around because, as I mentioned, we'll be talking a lot here in the coming weeks. Great. Thanks, John. Looking forward to it. Back to wrap up today's edition of the Black and Blue Report in just a moment. Fans cheer on your Pelicans as they play their final preseason game against the Dallas Mavericks at the CenturyLink Center in Bossier City on Thursday, October 23rd. Prices start at just $9 from www.ticketmaster.com. While in town, enjoy the opening weekend of the State Fair of Louisiana, our numerous casinos, including the world-famous Horseshoe Casino, and hotel. Check out hotel packages for the game and other things to do at shreveport bossierorg or call 888-45-VISIT. Gatorade knows every victory starts from within. It's the determination to come up big when it matters most. But no athlete does it alone. They need training and fuel to perform. That's how greatness comes from within. Win from within. Game on with NFL Ticket Exchange, the only official ticket exchange of the NFL, where 100% of tickets are verified by Ticketmaster. Buy and sell the NFL-approved way. Visit NFLTicketExchange.com. Together, we make football. Everything you need to know about the Saints and Pelicans is right here on the Black and Blue Report. We're about to wrap things up on this Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Don't forget to put our show on your Twitter feed. You'll get all the details about the Black and Blue Report by following at Black Blue Report. You can also follow me on Twitter at Sean Kelly Live. I want to thank today, of course, our guests from AtlantaFalcons.com, John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com, and Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com. A lot of digital media guys here on the show today. Tomorrow, our fantasy expert will be on board. That's Jake Seeley. And we'll also hear from Jennifer Hale on tomorrow's Black and Blue Report. We'll see who else stops by on the Wednesday edition. And so with that, we'll wish you all the best the rest of this Tuesday. And we'll look forward to seeing you right back here with us in Studio B tomorrow. For Daniel Sallerson, I'm Sean Kelly. We'll see you next time right here on the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.